0: Well, welcome to Real Faith on Faith FM Radio. We're stoked to have you guys here. Stoked that you can be joining us. Uh, I'm Beck. This, no, I'm not Beck. <laughs> I'm Robbie. This is Beck.
1: <laughs> that was good.
0: How are you today, Beck?
1: Good. I am well.
0: This is good to hear. Yes. This is very good to hear. It's good.
1: I had a, I had a nice morning this morning.
0: Did you? I've got yes. a question for you.
1: Just one.
0: Oh, yes. Just no. <laughs> one. And the question is... I don't know if anybody listening can can remember this, but last week and the week before, we spoke about
1: a goal that
0: Beck had set to be getting up at 5 a.m. And the question is, did you succeed? (laughs) No. Well... Misery loves company because I have not succeeded this oh, week Oh, this either. week was
1: not a good week. Okay, good. Well, well good. We are going to continue to persevere and grow This is together. actually,
0: I, I like the spin that you put on that because I was going to say the first thing that came to my mind was this is what, what we often look for when we fail to succeed <laughs> is we look for people to encourage us to continue to not do so <laughs> No, I,
1: was talking, I like that
0: I like that spin Very it's good. for was, growth
1: yeah talking to a friend about and she's talking about this um, book that she's reading on goals and this incremental growth right and so instead of like chucking out something just because you don't f- get it like everything that goes towards okay I got up 10 minutes earlier today and keep going so incremental growth sort of reaches your goal so I think that's encouraging so anybody out there who maybe had a goal this last week and didn't do it encouragement keep at it
0: that's it that's it <laughs> So I'm super excited because today we are going to have on the show, well, somebody who's basically family for me. So we're going to have my friend Ryan, who I I was going to say brother because I consider him my brother. I'm the adopted son. They have five kids in their family, and I'm like number six. The old boys, by the way. Yeah, so it's great. So I'm super excited. You guys are going to hear from Ryan, and he's studying to become a minister, and he's currently doing volunteer work in a local church in Newcastle, and that's exciting. So we're going to hear more of his story today, and we are also going to be continuing with our God is My Judge series, which is going through the narrative chapters of the book of Daniel. So we're up to Daniel chapter 3, and I'm super excited about this story because, well, one, for one, we get to actually go through and and talk about Daniel and his friends with all the names that are really difficult and hard to pronounce, but two... This story actually goes through a very difficult circumstance that they had to go through. Yeah. And we're going to be hearing about how did they, I guess, endure in, in, in a time of tribulation or persecution, a time where they had to stand up for their faith or to give up their faith and what did they do. So yeah. I'm super excited to hear about that. So that's coming up on the show today. But in other news, um, man, I'm excited because I'm going rock climbing tonight.
1: Really? Yeah, That's I'm cool. super That's cool, where are you
0: excited. going? It's only indoor, we're um, gonna go out yep. to a place and meet some people, it's gonna be a good time. Excellent. So I wanna just encourage you, cause we're gonna have some health tips coming up today. Yes we are. That you guys, take advantage of the cold weather and get some exercise, cause it'll make you feel warm, and it'll make you feel good. We're gonna learn more about something today. Maybe it's exercise, maybe not. But we got a great show lined up for you. This is Josh Wilson. I tried to write a song Keep it three
2: minutes long. Get in, get out. Nobody gets hurt. And I tried a thousand times to fit. seem to sum this up. Besides, how can some melody communicate eternity? It's like trying to fit the ocean in a cup. I'll never find the words to say, cause words are
0: Welcome back to Real Faith on Faith FM Radio with Robbie and Beck. Before we get into our next segment, we just wanted to remind you and encourage you, we love to hear your Bible questions and to be able to engage with you on those on the program, so if you'd like to text in or call in, you can do so at 1-800-324-843, that's 1-800-FAITH-FM, or text in at 0491-064-669, or hit us up on our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Yes, we would.
0: But now it's come that wonderful time, and weird time, to find out some weird and wonderful facts about the world, and we are continuing our health journey, I believe, so hit us with it, Beck.
1: Yes, okay, so my first thing is a question for you, Robbie. It is. Shoot. Where is the strangest place, almost like memorable place you have slept?
0: I have slept. You have slept. I have slept in caves. Yes. I have slept. On, I knew this would be a good stars. question. stars. I've slept at the beach. I've slept. Oh, here's here, okay. Here's one. Okay. I I was a missionary on an outer island for ten months a long time ago, and uh, there was a time where the mattress because it was very old mattress yeah, in this yeah. this very very old building. I was living there by myself, and. Um, <laughs> the The mattress was so bad it was causing me back pain. Now, I had a bench, like a literal bench with no back on it made of just timber. Yeah. And so I moved from the bed to a bench that was uh, about... I don't know, about 14 inches wide, uh-huh. and so I I would sleep with my legs crossed and my arms on my chest with my fingers <laughs> interlocked, wow. and I and I literally slept on that for weeks yeah. to try and help my back. So I I slept did, on a bench for a, couple, a couple of weeks. It did actually. Oh good. It was, and I never slept on the mattress again. I started yeah. sleeping on a box, yeah, cardboard box on a concrete floor, and that, that was sounds,
1: Yeah, I <laughs> That's probably the
0: weirdest, and I slept there for months.
1: Wow, I understand trip, the sentiment. Actually. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Very good. Well, I knew you'd have somewhere strange <laughs> to share.
0: I slept in my car. I slept in my office for a yeah. while. Very yeah, good. lots of places. So
1: very good. <laughs> for me, one of the strangest places or cool memories is that I went to India and um. Oh, eating. how
0: amazing is India?
1: Yeah, it was beautiful. It was an amazing best experience. place
0: for a vegetarian to travel in the world. So
1: many vegetarian options. Um, Anyway, so we were there and we went down to the Ganges River and we camped along the Ganges for a night. And that was amazing. Uh, We heard wolves howling in the distance and different things. And they were like, oh, no, no, they're on the other side of the river. And it was in the morning. They were like, oh, actually, we found a dead cow. We think they were closer than we thought.
0: (laughs) And they can swim.
1: (laughs) Very interesting. So our story (laughs) and our health tip today is about sleep. Sleeping.
0: Oh, awesome. So I'm sleep- glad it wasn't about water because the Ganges <laughs> is not exactly the cleanest source. No, no, no.
1: So, <laughs> so sleeping, I have some sleep facts for you guys. Humans are the only mammals that willingly delay sleep.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like other
1: Everything animals. Everything else
0: will sleep when it's tired yeah, except a person.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I
0: think it starts with infancy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> two thirds of a cat's life is spent asleep. Giraffes only need two hours of sleep. Whereas humans, on the other hand, we need significantly more. Seven to eight hours in general. Some people need about nine. And we spend about a third of our lives sleeping.
0: Man, so many people would say that's just wasted time. I
1: know, right?
0: But if you don't get enough sleep, it actually cuts time off of your life it does
1: yeah thank you that's awesome that's like another fact here Mm -hmm. so yeah cutting not having enough sleep affects you negatively in so many ways i'm sure people know they get tired their brain is foggy uh, concentration is harder
0: yeah sleep deprivation has a similar impact on your mind to alcohol use yeah like somebody who's sleep deprived will often behave similarly to a person who's inebriated
1: yeah i think if you have like uh 16 hours without sleep you have the same as a blood alcohol level of 0.5
0: which is crazy right really Which is one of the reasons that they say you shouldn't drive when you're very tired.
1: Definitely. Because
0: it's a similar issue. Definitely. Wow.
1: Sleep also um, affects weight. So chronic sleep restriction increases your levels of appetite and your stress hormones as well. So Mm. it reduces your ability to metabolize glucose. um, And it also makes you crave carbohydrates and sugars. So people who don't get enough sleep are often more hungry and eat more. And then they gain weight.
0: That's fascinating. So so if we drink more water, as we learned a couple of weeks ago, yes. and we get more sleep, that's actually going to help us with weight control.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. It is amazing. It's not something that people normally think of. So here are some tips for a good night's sleep. First of all, we have setting a good night routine. So getting ready for bed, setting a routine. Drinking maybe a hot drink that's your type of hot drink, not caffeinated. Um, that's Like key. a herbal tea. <laughs> reading a book, something like that. Um Trying to set regularity. So going to bed at the same time and getting up at the same time Mm. each day. This is a big one for me that I need to work on. Same. Often I get my eight hours, but it fluctuates. So they find that with our natural circadian rhythm, going to bed and getting up at the same time really sets us up for a good sleep. Our body gets used to it and we sleep really well. Hmm. Some other tips are avoiding bright lights in the evenings. Like so, screens like particularly. Like screens, blue light, which comes from your TV and computer screens.
0: And your mobile phone.
1: Yeah. So 60 minutes to 90 minutes actually before bed.
0: So you should turn your phone and your computer off at least an hour and a half before sleep.
1: Yes. Wow. Or have it at least on the yellow, you know, like the dim thing. Yeah, the dim they have a setting of have. on off I have that for my phone always. It just automatically goes there. Don't drink alcohol before bed because it affects your hormones. And ideally,
0: um, not at all. Let's just be honest. That's
1: true. That's true. <laughs> um, something else they found is taking a relaxing bath or shower in the evening helps you wind down, keeps you um, cozy, but then it really helps people with sleep. They did sleep studies and they found that it really helped people with their sleep getting a relaxing bath before. So I want to encourage everybody, maybe try some of these tips, implement them, um, and maybe we'll check back and see how we went next week going with our regular sleep patterns.
0: That's awesome. This is Michael W. Smith, I Give You My Heart.
1: I desire
2: to Lord
3: with all with
0: Super excited to have you on the show today to be hearing a bit more about your story. So, um, tell us a bit about yourself, Ryan.
4: Hi, it's uh, it's good to be here with you. Um, my name is Ryan. I'm uh, actually I'm a, a ministry student at the moment. But a little bit about who I am. I'm one of five brothers, so I grew up with with four brothers, and they're a big part of my family. Um, two beautiful parents, and uh, of course, um, like many of our modern families today, I come from a divorce. Uh, so. Uh, but both my parents really love me and support me, and, and uh, yeah, I, I used to be uh, studying engineering. So that's just a little bit about me and what I'm doing now and who I am.
0: Awesome. And so you're working in ministry at the moment. You are studying theology, which is to, you know, the, the study to become a pastor or a minister or to work in that kind of industry. Um, tell us a bit more about your story of how, how did you come to know Jesus, and how did you come to be doing the journey that you're doing?
4: yeah so um a little bit about me earlier in my life um i'm only i'm only twenty two so I, I i didn't i don't really have that much of an early life i guess but yeah when i when I was a lot younger i uh, i went to church with my folks and um i really really just did what they did because it was what we did we would go to church um, every sabbath we would read the bible as a family but for me, that relationship with Jesus just wasn't, wasn't there, um, even though I was very involved in the church, and I think to a large degree, that's what kept me in the church. I know a lot of friends who who have left, the, who have left uh, walking with God and, and following Jesus because they just they weren't involved and they didn't have that sort of community and family. But for me, the story's a little bit different, so I was quite active and in helping with all the different roles that I did at church. I volunteered at the, the audio visual desk with helping with the sound and with the, um, with the videos, the little slideshows that we would do so that people can read the words and sing in the worship service. And for many years, I would hear these, these powerful sermons and I would know that God exists. There's no doubt in my mind, but for me, it is almost as if I was callous and, and that, that truth didn't, um, didn't impact me. You know, whether God existed or He didn't exist was sort of something that um, didn't matter because I didn't have a relationship with Him. Mm. And, and so um, growing up, being a teenager, you tend to make a lot of mistakes. And um, I made quite a few leaving school. I was in a, a relationship at the time that I really botched up. And that was putting a lot of stress and, and pressure on me. And uh, I just started going to university and I was um, studying to be a mechanical engineer. And so I was, I was going through and I was taking a, a train trip that was about two hours uh, one way just to get to uni. And then I would do my courses. It would be maybe a 10-hour day. And then I would come back on the train. So all in all, I w- I'd s- stay out about 10 hours um, every day, maybe three or four days a week, depending on, on uh, how much university classes I had and which ones I could do at home and which ones I had to go in for. And you just, you get busy. And you sort of don't, don't have all that, Connection that you would normally have with Jesus and with your family, with these family worships and and reading your Bible, and so along on these on these trips in the train, I had some time to think and time to reflect on on wh- who I was and where I was going and, and my relationship with God and and just the state of what was happening around me, and uh, I realized that I wasn't in a good place. Some of the the pressures and stresses that I was. Going through in my relationship was really taking a toll, and with uni, I'd uh, it sort of it sort of sucks being very good at school, in a way. (laughs) A lot of people will will say that um, you know it sucks that they're not good at at, uh, achieving academically, but for me it was the opposite. I was very brilliant um, in. In a few of the things that I did so I had this sort of illusion that I didn't really need to apply myself properly <laughs> and that will only take you so far in life because once you get to university and you start doing tertiary education if you don't apply yourself properly you very quickly it gets very quickly reflected in your grades and so I was failing at university um, not because I didn't understand what was happening but just because I didn't didn't think I had to and so repeating many subjects many times, uh, there were always things that cropped up and occupied my time and, and excuses you make to yourself. A big one was, was just the media and, and um, social media and TV shows and uh, video games, all these things that are a lot of fun, but uh, you, you sort of don't have a balanced life if you're spending more of your time doing that than study, I guess. And so yeah, my grades were, were failing at uni and, and you know, it's funny, as we uh, as we fail in life, we realize that we have a need for God, and so I started reading this book, this audio book, on my train trips, and it was called The Desire of Ages. It was written by a lovely lady who lived early 1900s, late 1800s, and she wrote um, this book, and it's an exposition, or not an exposition, it's a uh, just a, a an in-depth look at the life of Jesus. And through reading this book, I decided that I didn't didn't give God a fair go in my life, and I needed to open my heart to Him, and so I did. And it wasn't long before I was reading my Bible and praying to Him, and I had this relationship with God in which I knew He was calling me for something more than what I was doing currently at the time. I knew that there was more to life than just getting a good job and earning a lot of money, and so I. St- you know, I paid more attention in church. I started to pray and and read my Bible and uh, started to realize that he cares about my day-to-day life. And through that time through university, he gave me lots of opportunities to improve myself. And it ended up happening um, that I felt this urgency and this need to do Bible studies with someone. And uh, I can't really explain it more than I, I had this conscious thought, hey, Ryan, you know, um, that Christians share the Word with God and, and, and you should share the Word with someone else. You know, you should do Bible studies with someone.
0: And I go, oh,
4: yeah, okay, okay, Lord, I'll do that. If, um, if you want me to do Bible studies, you, you set it all up and I'll do that.
0: That's so amazing, Ryan, to hear that you were listening to God's voice and that He was calling you to share that with other people. We're going to hear more about Ryan's story in a moment. We're going to take a break and go to the news. But before that, this is Melissa Otto, Blue Sky. <music> day That was Michael J. Harris, God of the Mountains. We're back on Real Faith Radio, and we're going to kick it back into Ryan's story. So you were just telling us, Ryan, how God had, I guess, it, it told you to do Bible studies.
4: Yeah, so um, after that, I felt a lot of peace. It was really good. And uh, for <laughs> at least two months, oh, no, longer than that, at least four months, it didn't cross my mind again. And uh, until one day I met a young boy, a young, sorry, a young man, and he was 17, and I was just a few years older, um, 20 or 19 at this stage. And he wanted to learn about Jesus. And um, it sort of came up in conversation that he'd be willing to do Bible studies. And I remembered that promise, that uh, agreement I'd made with God, that I would do Bible studies if I was given the opportunity. And so I started. While studying at uni, I made time every Thursday to study the Bible with um, this guy and a, and a friend. And it grew my faith um, and it grew my understanding of, the, of God and by all means, <laughs> I was really terrible at, at reading the Bible with people at first. And so it was good learning practice. But by the end of the year, I decided that uh, this was something I wanted to pursue more so than my studies. And so I um, decided I'd just go to this Bible training college called Arise. Uh, where you got practical experience giving Bible studies and learning more about the story of the Bible and about its its principles, and so I did that. And then afterwards, I was given the opportunity to continue with a local church, doing exactly what I've been doing at Arise, teaching people about the Bible and being an active, uh, being actively involved in the community, helping with a food pantry. And so, I've been doing that last year. And then this year, I decided that I'd like to. To change my degree and, and go into study and so um, go into study ministry and so that's what I did and um, you know I prayed last year God if you want me to if you want me to Bible work um, which is to you know minister to people and, and open the Bible with them and read it with them and, and share them share with them the love of Jesus and also meet their physical needs a lot of people have problems and issues that they just need help with like where do I get my next meal and, and how do I how do I overcome this depression and anxiety and, and where, where can I find this peace that the Bible promises? Everyone has different issues in their lives and, and just coming to know Jesus is, can really help overcome and break the bonds that we all have and the struggles that we all have. And so that's what I was doing. But I knew that I wanted to keep doing this because I was growing and learning so much. So I prayed to God and I said, God, you know, I'm, I'm broke. I don't have that much money. I think at that stage I had uh, a couple of hundred dollars in the bank and I didn't have enough to uh, afford a car. And uh, I knew I was going to be working, but I wasn't sure if that was going to be enough money to to afford a car so that I could um, continue volunteering at the church and helping out. So I prayed to God last year and I, I asked him to make that happen for me and uh I didn't have much money at the time because I was saving up to do a mission trip over in Brazil in the Amazon, uh, which was just just a blessing to go over there and and help um, the people in the Amazon. And so maybe I'll tell you that another time, Robbie. Yeah, totally. And uh, and so yeah, I came back and um, I was at a prayer meeting and God answered my prayer and uh, someone actually out of the goodness of their heart gave me a car. Um, for free, wow. just so
0: I, could, so I could do this. So you could actually go out and continue to do ministry. Yeah. Isn't that amazing?
4: And uh, I was worried about getting into to college, but I was able, my application passed, and, and I just finished my first semester.
0: Awesome. Good on you, man.
4: Yeah, good grades. And so... Praise the Lord. God has just really helped and encouraged me and um, allowed me to continue following Him, even though it, it just started with growing a relationship with Him, and it
0: changed my whole life direction. That's awesome, man. And I've known you for a long time, Ryan. I'm I'm like the adopted sixth son in the family. So um, it's been really amazing to watch your journey. And one thing that I thought was really amazing about what you've shared is that the way that God had planned for you to get to know him better was actually to start sharing what you already knew about him with other people. And that's so often the way. If you want to walk deeper with God, share what you know about him with others, and automatically that... that When you have to teach something, it seems you find that it's easier to learn things. You have to learn more. And so through that experience, you were living the gospel, not just reading about it. And that taught you more about who Jesus was. That's pretty amazing.
4: Yeah, definitely. And I'd like to encourage anyone listening, if you ever get a chance to just read the Bible in a a small group with people or even with a brother or a sister who is... You know, you just don't know who who could use that relationship with Jesus and use your friendship, and and as you open the Bible together, um, new truths and different perspectives and ideas come into your mind, and you just learn so much more about the awesome God we serve, and and maybe you're struggling and you don't know who God is, and you want to find peace and absolute truth out there, and I would encourage you, read the the book, The Desire of Ages. Um, you can get it online for free at the um, Ellen White Estate. There's a website if you just Google um, "Desire of Ages" online, or um, "Desire of Ages" PDF, or Ellen White Estate "Desire of Ages." You can read that book online for free. Um, There's also an app in the the App Store and in the Play Store, and uh, that's called Ellen White Writings. And um, yeah, that changed my life and showed me Jesus. And I hope that you can find Jesus in sharing the in sharing the good news about Him and uh, in reading about him as
0: well. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Ryan, and thank you so much for sharing a bit of your journey, a bit of your story. And um, for those of you that are listening, I just pray that you will be blessed. And as you continue to seek for Jesus, I just pray that God will really bless you, that you may learn more of who he is, just like Ryan has done. Thanks so much, Ryan. We'll catch you next time. No worries. Thanks for having me, Ryan.
2: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck on Faith FM. And uh, hey, Beck has something to say about questions. What was that?
1: Yes, we always have a question of the day and we haven't got one yet. So I want to encourage you guys, if you have anything, send it in now. um, As soon as you can, because it gives us time to prepare, actually. A little bit more time to
0: think, which is good. I I know you like to put us on our toes. That's okay, too. (laughs) But uh, we'd love to hear from you.
1: Yeah, so we'd love you to call in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM text us at 0491 064 669 or hit us up on our Facebook page faith fm australia.
0: You super excited. So we're going to get into our Bible study for the day. So we are in Daniel chapter 3 chapter 3 for those of you who are listening and have access to that. And we're going to start. So just a little bit of a recap from last week. Last week, we learned about the the dream that God gave to King Nebuchadnezzar, and it was a dream of a statue made of many metals that represented the kingdom of Babylon and the kingdoms that would follow, which we talked about, uh, sorry, not recognizing, being symbolic of, can you remember? Representing. Ah,
1: Yeah. So they're all the kingdoms.
0: Greece, Rome, and then divided Rome, which is what we would call Europe. And that was... I guess, crushed by the rock that came without hands, which represented God's kingdom. And so at the end of that story, we had King Nebuchadnezzar who responds to that in the way that he knows how by saying, let's offer incense to Daniel. Your God is the revealer of secrets. And he promotes Daniel and his friends. And that's the end of the story.
1: Yeah, that's like a theme for King Neb. When he thinks something's good, he promotes the people. That's right, promotion.
0: (laughs) He actually does it a lot now that you say that. (laughs) All right, so we're going to get right into the story. So let's read... Daniel chapter 3, verse
1: 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon.
0: Okay, before we get any further, I think that this is fascinating. Incredibly fascinating. What was the vision of in the previous chapter?
1: The statue. It
0: was a statue made of how many kinds of metals? Four. Four, and then the feet that were metals and clay, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you were told as the leader, basically the king of the world at the time, if you were told your kingdom is the head of gold and then all of these other metals are going to follow and you believed that, do you think that you would probably respond by saying, well, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to set up my own statue that's entirely gold, That's a pretty astonishing thing. I think it's fascinating because I think what Nebuchadnezzar is doing here is he's saying, that's great, God. Your God's the revealer of secrets, Daniel. But guess what? My kingdom is not going to be followed by a kingdom of bronze or kingdoms of the other metals. He says, no, my kingdom is going to last forever. I'm the whole whole kit and caboodle. I'm the whole shebang. My kingdom is the entire statue. That's the rest of the world is what he's saying. This is astonishing, right? So... He's responded in some sense to God, but he has not come to a place where he is really, truly believing what God has said. Because he's saying, no, I'm going to defy that.
1: Either that, or he believes, and then he very quickly changes his mind. That's right. Like, you know, maybe he has, because sometimes we see him, it's like, man, he has a fool. I agree, like, your God is the God. And then he's like, eh, maybe a little bit of time. That's his right. other advisors talk to him. He changes his mind very quickly.
0: That's right. So he's taking a position now. No, no, no. My kingdom, this is the one. Yeah. All right, so let's keep reading. Let's read from verse 2 and find out. uh, Let's go 2 through verse 6, and we're going to find out, what is he doing with this statue? What's the point?
5: Yeah.
1: And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counsellors, the treasurers, <laughs> the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces Doing well. gathered together for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, Lyre and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the god, the, um, worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace.
0: Okay, so we're starting to see a bit of a theme here, aren't we? So King Nebuchadnezzar, what's he doing? He's set up a statue. He sets it up in the plain of Dura, which is in the valley, basically the big valley that Babylon sits in. And what's going on?
1: He basically wants people to acknowledge uh, this image and actually worship it. So I don't know if he's setting it up as like, I am God, this is it, or this is gonna represent Babylon. Whatever it was, he wanted the people to worship this man-made image. And so he said, I'm mm. going to play music. And I looked up all the kind of uh, music, musical instruments. Oh, tell us say. more. Tell us more. And so they're actually pretty much all like um, stringed instruments, like harps, lyres, psaltery. All of them are different types of stringed instruments. So it's this big symphony, uh, probably quite beautiful, I imagine. And he says, when these play, I want you to bow down and worship.
0: This is astonishing, right? So he's gone from this perspective in the chapter previously of we're going to get rid of all of the wise men of Babylon, the satraps, the soothsayers, the Chaldeans, all of these group of people, which, by the way, there's so much interesting repetition in this chapter, right? He says, he called all of these people, do, 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 So all these people came, do, 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 Yeah. Right? And we see the same thing with the instruments. He said, it would, the, the, when you hear the music with these instruments, do, 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 do. And then... They heard the music of yeah. all of these instruments. Do, And it just la- labels them over and over. There's a lot of repetition in this chapter, which is very fascinating. But he says that ultimately what you're going to do is you're going to bow down and worship my statue or you're going to die. Yeah. So the very people that he was going to get rid of before he's now testing their allegiance, right? You are going to worship before my statue, before my kingdom, before what I am going to be doing or you're dead. Yeah. This death decree thing we see coming up Kind of consistently, don't we? Yeah.
1: I feel like Nebuchadnezzar has a thing with death. Um, yeah, it's very interesting because then he has actually gathered them. So it's not just the people who are in the area. It's just they're from different provinces, right? So he's gone out and sought these people to bring them to do this.
0: Mm. And I, th- I think it's really interesting what happens next. So he says, Oh peoples, nations, and languages. So let's read the next couple of verses. Let's read seven through. Oh, let's just read seven, actually. Sorry.
1: So at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, and lyre, in symphony with all kinds of music, all the people, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the gold image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up.
0: All right, so what's going on here?
1: We have the fact that pretty much everybody has bowed down. They did what Nebuchadnezzar said. They worshipped when he told them to in the way he told them
0: to. So this is fascinating, hey. He's, he's called together people from all over his, his kingdom. Yeah. Like the, the fact that he says, oh, peoples, nations, and languages is, is a way of saying everyone that's under my authority from all of my kingdom. Now, by the way, his kingdom went a significant distance across the world, right? Yeah. Like he had a, a, a big kingdom and it was multicultural. There were people from all sorts of different backgrounds who were in this place. And he says, when you hear the music, You're going to bow down and worship. And so when the music played, it says that all of the people, regardless of their culture, regardless of their customs, regardless of their religion, regardless of their background, fell down at the threat of death and worshipped this image that was put up by the king of the world at the time. They were willing to either disregard their allegiances to their own gods and bow down to this one or to think that it wasn't big enough of a deal to die for. Yeah, They were able to acknowledge that your way of doing things and your beliefs and your God is either bigger than our gods or is not a problem for us to worship alongside with our gods. This is Kelly Carpenter, Draw Me Close. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM Radio and uh, if you guys have any questions again we just want to really encourage you to call in or text in with those you can do so at 1-800-324-843 that's 1-800-FAITH-FM or text in at 0491-064-669 or hit us up on our Faith FM Australia Facebook page. So we'd love to hear from you. We'd hear. We love getting your questions in and we'd love to hear back from you. Alright so we are getting right back into the story. So Everybody, it seems, has bowed down to the threat of death. Yeah. So worship my statue, pay allegiance to me, King Nebuchadnezzar says, otherwise you will certainly die. That's a pretty terrifying thing, right? Like, if you don't have hope in something beyond death, what, what incentive is there to, to not obey?
1: And I think as well, like... With Nebuchadnezzar, you know it's coming through. Like all of the things he does in past stories, he starts killing the wise men, right? Mm So we know that he actually does follow through on these things. So you're right. All these people under this um, area would be like, okay, we are going to die. Is this where we want our lives to end? And clearly none of them did.
0: It's fascinating, right? So it says that everybody's starting to bow down. yeah. And the question that lies underneath the story here is, well, what about... Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What about the Jewish people? What's going on here? Yeah, Are God's people, who we've seen be faithful thus far in the story, are they going to bow down to the peer pressure at the pain of death? Are they going to give in to the persecution and deny the very principles that they have believed in? Are they going to deny the very God who has saved them in the past? And that's the question that really is burning. <laughs> that was funny. That was good. For, yeah. <laughs> That was a leading statement. All right. Well, let's keep reading and let's find out. So what's going to happen? Do you want to read for us verse 8 through verse 12?
1: Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down in worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. I think it's so funny that they, they just remind him of the decree that he's made, just in case. They're like, <laughs> you said this. That's right. just
0: in case you forgot, just you said this.
1: want you to know. Then it says in verse 12, There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Ooh. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up.
0: This is fascinating, right? So notice it says not all of the Chaldeans, but it says certain yes. Chaldeans. Yeah. So obviously, when when Nebuchadnezzar had responded to God's giving of the dream through Daniel, and Nebuchadnezzar promotes Daniel and also his three friends. There was jealousy that was taking place. Now think about this. This Um, is if you really think about this. On the one hand, you can you can understand, right? Like here is these foreigners who don't believe what we believe. They're you know being promoted into these positions. There's easy for there to be jealousy. But on the other side of the coin, without these dudes. (laughs) <laughs> you'd be dead yeah right yep. like it's a little ungrateful isn't it
1: for sure and you think like if, if we look at the way that they speak um they seem to be humble quite like gentle kind of people and if they were 10 times wiser it's just for me when someone is like they walk in the room they're so much wiser you're like oh they've got so much knowledge i just want to listen to them these guys did not respond in that's that it way.
0: no desire to learn no desire to grow but there's yeah. jealousy and Mm. greed for power yeah and so he comes in and they're like well they come in and they say to the king Nebuchadnezzar remember (laughs) you picked these guys yeah now look at them they're not bowing down to your statue in other words these guys are going to lead other people to be disobedient to you if you don't answer this problem with fulfilling your death decree you're going to lose face in front of everyone in your entire empire wow and so it's really interesting to think about. Nebuchadnezzar is now forced with a choice. Am I going to allow those who I've seen be blessed by God continue to do what they're doing, even though that's that's in opposition to what what I've decreed? Or am I going to hold on to my power in front of all of my, my people, all of my subjects? This is a really big question for yeah. Nebuchadnezzar, really. Sometimes we forget that. But sometimes it's those big questions that are really the big testers that God is it gives us an opportunity to either respond or not respond to god yeah so this is interesting so what's nebuchadnezzar going to do is he going to stand up for those that he's promoted or is he going to not so let's keep reading and let's read up through verse 15
1: Then nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring shadrach meshach and abednego so they brought these men before the king "'Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, "'Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, "'that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? "'Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, "'harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, "'and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. "'But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately "'into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace.' And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands?
0: Oh, man. Such arrogance, right? Yeah. Like, such, such bold ego. Yeah. He's like, all right, look, here we go, guys. Is it true that you're not bowing down to my, my idol, my statue, when the music plays? He says, okay, okay, okay. Let's just, if you are ready, right? I love this. Yeah. He says, now, if you are ready, yep. when the music plays, bow down and worship my statue. And if you don't, who is the God who will deliver you from my hand? Yeah. Like, this is literally the most powerful person in the world. This is the person who has the most authority in any situation. If he literally snaps his fingers, you can be dead. Yeah. Right? Like, he has the power over you. And isn't this an interesting thing that a man, a human being, could have this much power over others? This is quite astonishing. This is not the way it should be. Yeah. In many respects, right? and it's certainly not the way it should be in this case because he's not doing the right thing right yeah, so this definitely. is this is really disconcerting that someone would have this kind of authority to be able to act as God in the place of God, which is really interesting.
1: And he, he does it to himself. Like he sets himself up in that way. Mm. Like he's the one that made the statue. He's the one that calls the people to fall down. It's not even true worship because it's like they have a gun held to their head to do it. Mm. So they're not even doing it. It's just something he's like, do this and, and I'm going to otherwise follow through, you know? It's just interesting to me that he, yeah, he has this kind of power and everybody, every single person is just like, oh, okay, life is worth it, you know.
0: Isn't that fascinating? Nothing, like, if you really want to test someone on what they believe, and and I mean, I don't mean like test them academically, intellectually. I mean, like, if you want to see what someone really believes, you wait till their life is on the line. Yeah. And that's when the reality of what you believe becomes a moment of decision, right? Like, I love this, C.S. Lewis, I think it was, who said that there are no, it might have been Tolkien, uh, there, there are no atheists in the foxholes yeah, in yeah. the trenches, right? Yeah. They were, these two men lived through World War I and literally were in trench warfare. And they said, once you get into that space where your life's on the line, he says, no, no, no. no. What you believe starts to become apparent, yeah. right? Like, you start to, to really grapple with the big issues. And this is what's going on for these people. They're starting to say, do I value my life more than I value what I believe in. And for the large majority of people, the answer is no. I don't believe in this enough to sacrifice my life for this. Yeah, I don't hold this belief. But here are three men who do. Now, Daniel's not mentioned in the story. He's not mentioned anywhere in the story. Now, if Daniel was present, it's obvious from the rest of the book of Daniel that he would have clearly done the same thing and been standing with his friends here, standing yeah. for his faith. So it's apparent that he was not not present or not in a position in this place to be there. But these three men are representing faithfulness to God in the big things, which comes from faithfulness in the little things all the way from the first chapter. Yeah. I love this. I love this. And isn't it interesting? He knows them by name. He knows who they are. He calls them by name. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is it true?
1: Yeah. Right. Because they're now they're they're in charge of the affairs of the king. That's right. So it's that they're already running things. I think that's why he, he gives them a second chance. Like they've found favor. He said before that if they didn't bow down, then that he would kill them, and then he gives them a second chance. So it's like even though he's mad, he's like, Oh, I still want to see, like I want these guys to follow.
0: Mm. So this is my favorite part of the story. We're okay. gonna read verse sixteen through yes. eighteen. And I believe this is the this it's is the so cool. central This is the crux of the story.
1: Yeah. Verse 16 reads, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up.
0: Oh, oh man, I, have, I almost want you to just read it again. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. What's their response?
1: To me, it's beautiful. They, the first thing they said is, actually, we don't need to answer you in this area. Like, we, we answer to God, basically. We don't need to answer you, king. That's but right. But they do respectfully. They're still respectful to him. And they come and they say, man, O oh king, if you are going to throw us in the furnace, God will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, and this is so cool, even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down. We're not going to follow you. We still follow God. We know that in our death, it would be more beneficial and we're going to follow God. Like they they want to remain true to the God that they know mm. and the things that they know. And to me, it really harks back. You were saying, Robbie, that this response is built upon the little things that they knew. And it's like through throughout The chapters previously, we see that they started off, what, in verse, in chapter 1, Daniel and his friends, they purposed in their hearts. Mm. So I think Daniel's like the leader, the others are there, and it says that he purposed in his heart. So these men have purposed in their heart to follow God. And then the second thing is they are praying men. So we see that in Daniel chapter 2, they get together and they have prayer meetings and they're praying, guys. And so here we see... That these men who have purpose in their heart to follow God and then they pray all the time, they spend time with God. It says now when they've come up to a situation, they don't need, they don't even have the time, right, to think about it. They don't have that time, but they don't need to because they already know. Because they're praying people, they, they know the right thing to do. So it's like when they come up to this situation, they don't even need to necessarily pray then, Why? Because they have that time with God. They know the answer. They knew that it wasn't right. And to me, that's such a beautiful representation of how we should spend time with God and be prepared. And if you follow him, then when you come up to things like this, situations in your life, you will respond in a godly way, as opposed to Nebuchadnezzar, who responds in an emotional way, immediately.
0: Mm. Oh, So good. Such good points. Now, I I also love this passage. I just, I love... I love another way that I think about it when he he says that we have no need to answer. It's like, hey, bro, you already know. Yeah. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, you know us, you know that we believe in our God and we're not, we don't worship anyone else. We don't bow down to idols. We don't do any of that. Yeah. You know this. There's no need for us to answer, right? And I love, oh my goodness, I love this so much. Like he said, their faith was bigger than, than results that take place right now. Yeah. I believe in my heart that God is bigger than you, Nebuchadnezzar. He's bigger than you. The leader of the world this would be like standing before this would be like being in North Korea and standing before the leader of the country. Yeah. Right? This would be like standing before the biggest leader in the world right now who's able to execute you or put you on, you know, in in prison terms forever, right? Like this would be like standing in front of that person and having the boldness to say whatever the outcome i know that even if my god chooses that i'm not supposed to be saved from this this horrific event he says i don't care i'm going yeah. to be faithful yeah and i love that we know he says that god is willing and will, or well not sorry is not necessarily willing but is able to do this and if he does awesome great but even if he doesn't my outcome is is firm my decision has been made i will be loyal i will have integrity and i will not bow down to something that is not true.
1: Amen.
2: I love this. This yeah. is oh,
0: so good. So absolutely good. Oh, So how is King Nebuchadnezzar going to respond? Do you want to read for us continuing? And we'll stop you if we run out of time before the break.
1: Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated.
0: Seven times!
1: And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and exceedingly, ooh, was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace.
0: Okay, so before we get to the break, this is astounding. I love it. Like, previously it said in the first chapter, or sorry, or earlier in the chapter, it says that he was he was... Very furious, right? Like he was in rage and fury, but now it says he is full of fury, right? He has gone from mad to ultra mad. And he says, I want this to be done. I want it to be done quickly with no mistakes. These men are going to die. So he has them bound by the strongest men in his army. And the, fir- the furnace is heated to seven times hotter. It's so hot that the soldiers who deliver them into the fire, they don't even survive. And they land in the fire. And the next question is what happens next? This is The Homeless Singer's Daddy Sang Bass. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck on Faith FM. This is your last chance if you want to send any questions in for the question question of the day. We'd love to hear from you. And you can do that by calling in at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can text us at 0491-064-669. Or hit us up on our Facebook page. Faith FM Australia. So Nebuchadnezzar has just given the command in full fury. They've been thrown, fully bound into the fire. His strongest soldiers who bound them and threw them in, as they threw them in, I imagine, the heat of the furnace destroys them, yeah. right? So what's going to happen? Everybody, remember, there, there are leaders from the entire Babylonian nation, right? From all of their regions across their whole empire who are here And this is a display that Nebuchadnezzar is trying to make that says, if you stand against me and any of my decrees, this is your outcome. Yeah. Your God will not save you. There is nothing that you can do or believe in that is bigger or more important than obedience to me and my commands, whatever they are. This is the statement that he's making. And everyone's watching. Everyone's watching. Even his own soldiers die as they're throwing them in. Mm -hmm. And Nebuchadnezzar cares not. Right? This is the leader. What happens, right? So let's keep reading.
1: Verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God.
0: Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just imagine him sitting there like, day's work's done. Everything's good. We're sweet. Good to go. Yeah. And then he's sitting there and he looks and he he's astonished because he sees things moving around in this fire that was so hot it killed the people who came even close to it. Yeah. And he looks and he sees not one, not two, not even three, but four people walking around in there. Yeah. And one of them, he says, looks like, the son of God or a son of the gods, depending on how it's translated. This is a powerful, powerful thing. Just imagine how you'd be shaken in your boots. Yeah. Like what's going on here? I just said. And he
1: can see, like seeing that the form is like the son of God. And he's like, this is a godly thing. And so he's just been yet trying to defy God by saying, I am God, setting himself up. And then suddenly it's like he's seeing the evidence of God right in front of his eyes.
0: Fully, fully. And imagine being in that place. And Nebuchadnezzar does a smart thing next. So let's keep reading.
1: (laughs) Surprise. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together. And they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power the hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on
0: them. Dude, oh, just think about this. I just, I just had this thought. Notice he doesn't say, hey, you guys, all of you come out. He says, no, no, no. He says, hey, Shadrach, Meshach, yeah. and Abednego, you guys, yeah. <laughs> servants of not who is this God who can save. Who yeah. uh, I don't know uh, who is the God who can save, right? He, he says, no, you are servants of the most high God. He says, Okay, I get it. Yep. I recognize clearly your God is above all other gods. You three come out, but I don't I don't I'm not asking that other dude to come out here.
5: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Like I get it. And when they come out, what's is there any evidence of harm?
1: To me, it's amazing. It says that the, the fire had no power over them. Woo! The hair on their head was not singed. And the smell of fire wasn't on them. And I was just saying to Robbie earlier, man, the smell of fire, it permeates so much. And they didn't even smell like fire. So not only did God protect them just from the 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 physical fire but from everything and he's basically there's no point for that it didn't matter if they smell like fire but the point really I think is to show man he has so much power he can stop anything and he can protect them from anything that you throw at them and it just shows his power in in the midst of everyone and it says that they all gather together so all the counsellors and the people who are probably calling for them to be thrown in the fire those gather and they see this they see all the evidence and can you imagine the stories that are passed down to their children and grandchildren children. Man, he didn't even smell like smoke. And you know, his hair was the same. And just, Mm. it was like further evidence for them.
0: Yeah. And this is not in front of two witnesses. This is in front of multitudes and representatives from every single province of Babylon. Yeah. This is huge. So what does Nebuchadnezzar say? Let's finish the rest of the chapter.
1: Verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made an ash heap because there is no other God who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon.
0: There you have it, right? Promotion again. Yeah. This is definitely his response. <laughs> but this is amazing. First of all, it's kind of like there's another death decree notice.
6: Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. He's
0: still he's still power tripped, right? Yeah. But this is fascinating to me. Remember that before he had said to all peoples, nations, and languages. Now, this is something that we don't just hear here. We hear this again in the book of Revelation, yeah. talking about the end of time.
1: That's what I thought about, yeah. Which
0: is fascinating. And here, and ultimately, what was the central theme here? What was the central issue that's being
1: that's worship. at stake? It's the issue yeah. of worship.
0: Yeah. Now, sometimes people get hung up on worship, and worship is about singing songs. Well, newsflash. Singing songs is a, a way, one small way that you can worship something. Yeah. In fact, it's probably not one of the bigger ways. Because worship is what you choose to do with your life. Yeah. Your life is either representing, well, your life is essentially your decisions represent your beliefs. Because what I do is representing what I believe. What I yeah. believe is not what I say I believe. What I believe is what I do.
1: And and Paul talks about it in the New Testament where he says your bodies are living sacrifices. Exactly. So, and that's a really weird saying. What does that mean? Basically, he's saying that you're offering yourself to God and what you do, just what you're saying, Robbie, how you, how you speak, how you interact with people, how you go about your daily life, this is your act of worship in how you do it and i don't think we think about that enough we don't and so these guys in how they carried themselves how they prayed how they interacted with people and then how they made decisions at a crux point really rapidly they did that all and all of that was an act of worship because it was pointing people to god and they were showing their allegiance to god and that's like yeah the main the main point of this chapter
0: it's so powerful it's so profound and their their faithfulness to god here is an act of worship. Yeah. Sometimes we think worship is only a religious thing. It's not. Humanity is built in such a way that we worship. It's natural. We worship in terms of we, we, we give our allegiance to something Yeah. and our actions and the way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our finances, our resources, where we invest, how we behave. All of these things are examples and extensions of what we truly believe, and right from the beginning, the question for Adam and Eve was, "Will you believe God or will you believe Satan? Yeah. Will you believe God? Will you believe the serpent? Will you believe that God is telling the truth or truth? And ultimately, this is the question that that permeates one of the questions that permeates through Scripture is, "Whom will you believe? Yeah. Will you believe that God is who He says He is, or will you believe that God is something else? And here they demonstrate that they believe that God is who He says He is. They demonstrate trust. And their act of allegiance is an act of worship. Yeah. And I think it's super powerful, super profound. Faithfulness to God should not be determined by the outcomes that we hope for, but by our love for him who first loved us, right? Yeah. And they said that, whatever the cost. They said, we're, we're in a place where we know God enough. Yeah. We know enough of his character to say, we trust him. We trust him enough that even if he doesn't save us from this trial that's before us, we're still going to be faithful to him. We're yeah. still going to believe in him and trust in him and, and follow him wherever he calls because he has demonstrated that faithfulness to us in the past. And I love that. This is really ultimately where I want to be.
1: Yeah, me you too. I, I want was, to have that I kind was of thinking faith. the same kind of thing and also that really... Even for them, they're focusing their faith on God's faithfulness. They said, he can and he will save us, but if he doesn't, we trust in him, right? And it's not their ability to withhold or withstand something. It's trusting in God's faithfulness to them.
0: A hundred percent, right? They couldn't save themselves. So often we get caught up in these traps of thinking, if I do this, I'll save myself. Or if I do that or don't do this. It's actually God who's doing the saving here. They were totally incapable of saving themselves. What they were capable of doing was responding to God in faithfulness. That was it. This is Malvinus, shall we gather at the river? Well, we thought that was gonna be Malvinus, shall we gather at the river, but we're having some technical difficulties, so we're just gonna keep going with what we're talking about. Yeah. Which I, th- so. Which is great, because I've got a lot more to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's good. What's amazing, what's amazing is that this parallels what it talks about in Revelation 14 that will take place at the end of time. It talks about, and many people talk about this. Mm, Talk about, you know, things like the mark of the beast. And there's a lot of hoopla that goes on about these things. And one thing I want to make really clear is that in all of this stuff, if you're studying the book of Revelation, awesome. The Bible says you'll be blessed for doing so. Yeah. But the... The thing that needs to be kept, so I'm trying to like dance around the studio while our wonderful producer Liam tries to get things working. Um, one thing that we so often do is we we focus on the things that are going wrong in the story rather than what it is. And it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. The fact that he reveals who the beast is, what the mark of the beast is, what of all of these tribulations are at the end of the time is not the point of revelation. Those, they're, they're peripheral to the point, which yep. is that Jesus is coming soon. Yeah, And so put your faith and your trust in him. Be responding to him in faithfulness. Trust that his faithfulness is enough for you and, and go where he goes.
1: Yeah, it really reminds me of um, all the guys, basically, who were writing and they became martyred. So Matthew, Mark, we think mm-hmm. of these guys. And basically all of these disciples were, were martyred. And thinking about them they put their faith in God right to the end and they weren't, totally. they weren't saved here on this earth in the way that we would think and you'd think man that was like a really poor ending for them but it wasn't we have their legacy we have their books and it was okay because God was present in that situation and I think for me and you and everyone listening the challenge is if we believe in God and we trust him are we willing to go to that, that length but more are we willing to just put our faith in God and I think sometimes we can't always think of the future where is that going to head because we don't know the end result but what we do know is if we're faithful today then we'll have the ability to be faithful tomorrow
0: that's right that's such a great point it's so important to to make our decisions now we can't just make decisions based on the future today you have decisions to make yep and today is the day that we can make them Yep. so oh we've got some music happening
7: Thanks for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sound that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet, happy tune, he is coming soon for his children like you and me.
8: The Dentist of Foggy Nights And a tune is the rope that can throw a man hope When he's going down for the third time It's a sweet melody that can cut your heart free From the chains of a past defeat You can suddenly see through the sweet harmony A path for your wandering feet
7: just as long as it takes for a song to make sad, heavy spirits free. I'm gonna keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet, happy tune, he
8: is coming. I might as well just give in to the doom and gloom life's a waiting room for the blow that'll do us all in i can't sympathize when before my eyes is a hope shining bright as day i gotta follow the song that keeps drawing me on with my feet dancing all the way i'm gonna sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad heavy spirits
7: that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm gonna turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the village Bond Sea. With a sweet, happy tune, he is coming soon for his children, like you and me. I'm gonna sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad heavy spirits going to keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm going to turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the pit of despondency. With a sweet happy tune, he is coming soon for his children like you and me. Yeah, with a sweet happy tune, he is coming soon. Free. I'm going to keep making music that carries the secret that Jesus is liberty. I'm going to turn off the sounds that would drag people down to the of despondency. With a sweet happy tune, he is coming soon for his children like you and me. I'm going to sing just as long as it takes for a song to make sad his spirit.
0: Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck on Faith FM Radio. We um, have not gotten a question of the day today, unfortunately. That's okay. um, More time for talking. uh, Please send in some questions next time. or Even if in between now and next week you want to, we can always find those from our lovely team here.
1: That's a good idea. Yeah, put it on the Facebook page and write a little tag and be like, for Robbie and Beck next week.
0: Yeah, that's the way. But I really think that there's a lot to still talk about in this chapter. Yes, You know, so where, where we left off, we were kind of talking about how, you know, the, when we read through scripture, this issue of worship is an issue that's always, always present. And Beck and I were talking about in the break just, just kind of how it's really interesting, the language that's used here in Daniel chapter three really relates to Revelation chapter 14, where it talks about how the gospel will go out to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people and we were just talking about how sometimes well-meaning, but ultimately I think misguided individuals, often when, when we study things like Revelation and Daniel and we look at prophecies about the future, we, we sometimes get really caught up on the peripheral details and we think that it's kind of like the revelation of the beast or yeah. the revelation of the, the false prophet. And the revel- Those things are there and they're, they're important for us to know, but the, the ultimate thing that's being revealed is it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says in revelation one verse one. Yeah. And ultimately you can know who the beast is and not be saved. Yeah. You can, you can know what the mark of the beast is and not be saved because it's not, it's not head knowledge that's going to save you. Yeah. What's actually going to save you is have you surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ? Are you in relationship with him? Are you following him? Yeah. Because ultimately it's not, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah. Right. And It doesn't mean that those things are not relevant or not important to know, but we need to keep the first things first and the second things second. Those things are not first. Jesus is first.
1: And does it follow through in your actions as well? So those things, I know you might have heard people talk about this or preach about this before, and they jokingly say like Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego could have... At that moment when the trumpet blasted and when there was one of the trumpets went, <laughs> I'm thinking about Revelation now. At that moment when there was psaltery and the musics and everything, they could have bent down and decided to tie their shoe. They could have just been like, I know I worship God. It doesn't matter. At this point, I'm just going to bend over. I'm going to tie my shoelaces. I'll do something. So it looked like they were, even though in their mind and their heart. But that that isn't good enough because that is showing that you don't believe enough. And also it's not an example to those around you everybody else didn't know that that's what they were doing and it's such an important thing and it, it brings some sort of practical applications I know we always look at what are some applications yeah. for scripture and thinking about this idol that Nebuchadnezzar has put out um, he set it up himself And sometimes I think as Christians, it's often easy to read through the Bible and be like, oh, well, I don't worship idols in that way, right? We don't have the same kind of necessarily thing set up. But it leads me to think, what idols do we have in our lives? What things have we set up? Maybe Nebuchadnezzar set up his own idol. Is there something that I have set up? There are things maybe that maybe I'm not intending to worship but I'm putting in preference over spending time with God or I'm putting in preference
0: or just in preference to God in in general right yeah it's not like everything it's not like you have to just sit and read your Bible all day long all the time that's not that's not what it means but but is there anything that that has preference like is there anything that you would choose over God ultimately definitely that's a big question yeah would I choose my wife over my God yeah oh that's tough yeah my wife's a good thing right like that's a god blessed thing. Yeah. But God is more important and and should should there ever come a time where my wife is trying to force me to not worship God, well I'm going to choose to be faithful to God and and whatever the consequence is, that's what I should do. Yeah. If my allegiance is firstly and centrally to God.
1: Yeah. 100% I think that that's so important for us. So just thinking of like things that I need to put God first in, and asking Him to help us with those things, I think is really important because they these guys had purposed already in their hearts um, that they were going to follow. And so something that they they do is they spend time in prayer and trusting. And they purpose already. And I think for us, it's something that we need to do is that we need to purpose in our hearts. Man, I want to follow God. So what do I need to do to see that happening in my life? What are things that I need to put in place um, that I'm following him? Is there areas that I thought, man, I'm not being a good example like I'd like to be or a good witness that I'd like to be. And I think that that's important because those around us now, all of those Chaldeans, those people, they had the opportunity to see the benefits of following God and that actually he can do amazing things in your life.
0: Yeah, totally. One one thing that sometimes I think we forget for those of us who would consider ourselves to be Christians or followers of Jesus is that people are watching you. And that, I don't say that to be like, oh, you need to really be careful and make sure that you tick all the boxes. No, no, no. But just, it's just a reality. People yeah. do watch you. And we have a really big privilege and responsibility that, and it's sometimes that's daunting for me personally because I just know how far I fall short of the yeah, ideal every too. day. Yep. But what a privilege it is as well to say, you know, when when I reflect Jesus well in my life, people get a better picture of Jesus. Yeah. One of my favorite authors said that the 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 best example or the best you know sermon that you can hear is a loving and lovable Christian.
5: Mm, yep.
0: Right. Isn't it amazing when you can see someone whose life looks like the life of Jesus and they say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. What that does is that gives them a picture to say, hey, well, if if that God looks anything like you, this is good, right? And, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of Mahatma Gandhi said, I like your Christ. It's your Christians I don't like. Isn't yeah. that awful? Yeah. Isn't that awful? And I, cause I, and I know it's awful because I have done that so much in my life where I have said I'm a Christian. And then my actions looked very much not like Jesus. Yeah. My words looked very not like Jesus. And I was doing a disservice to God when I was saying those things. And God forbid that I should continue to do that because of what He has done for me and I want to represent Him well, but I fall so short. Yeah. Which is, you know, we all need grace. We all need forgiveness. And it's such a powerful thing that that God would allow us to be His representatives. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. And, oh, it's just one more thing is that, it's also a really big testimony that God's powerful and that God is in the business of changing hearts when, they, when people can see someone whose life was something different yes. that is now changed by Jesus. Yeah. That's a bigger testimony than an angel showing up yeah. as far as I'm concerned
1: one of my favorite bible verses is ezekiel 36 26 and it says like i will give you a new heart and a new spirit i will put in you i'll remove the heart of flesh out of stone that you have and i will give you a heart of flesh and it says that i will do it so sometimes we want to change ourselves i mean we all want to be more Christ-like, just like what you were saying. We, we want to be an example. And we do our best, but the ultimate thing is we need to surrender to God and ask that He will do that work in us. Mm. Because it's not us that works our way to do that. It's Him that does that work in us.
0: Totally. It's like if I said to you right now, whoever you are, if you're driving, just don't think about elephants. Don't think about elephants. What's the first thing you're thinking of? Elephants. And it's the same thing when we say don't think about sin. Well, you got to think about something. So rather than focusing on trying to not think about or not do something, why don't you focus your time on thinking about Jesus, focusing on who he is and how to be with him and like him. This is the Maranatha Singers. Lord, I lift your name on high. Welcome back to Real Faith with Robbie and Beck. You're listening to Faith FM. We've come to, uh, towards the end of the show now. And um, yeah, just a couple of things just to wrap up from what we've read today. So yeah, the, the faithfulness begins with the little things, yeah. right? Like I'm not going to be ready to surrender my life tomorrow if I haven't been willing to make the first step before yeah. that. You know, like that's, that's a big ask. Yeah. But I, what I love And what I really love about this, and we haven't drawn this out too much from today, but we're definitely going to be drawing this out next week, is that we're actually watching a journey, not just of, this is not just the story of Daniel and his friends and their faithfulness. And it's really a story of God's faithfulness to humanity, right? God is faithful to Daniel. God is faithful to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God is also faithful to the lost people in Babylon. Yeah. Because remember, Daniel 2 through Daniel 7 is all in Aramaic, the local language, they were being a witness and an example for God to all of these people who did not know him already. Yeah. And beyond that, this is an example of God being faithful to a man named Nebuchadnezzar who had no interest in knowing God, but God shows up and notice there's a change. Remember in Daniel chapter two, he said, your God is the revealer of secrets and the Lord of yeah. Kings. Now let's burn some incense to Daniel. But here he says something different. He says that, hey, this God is is the real deal, so nobody can speak bad about him. There's a transition that's going on.
1: And we can, I I was thinking about that too. It's not complete. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking how with people sometimes we, and we do want it, and it's a good thing, you want change, but how long did it take us to get to where we are in our journey, and to where and we need
0: to be, keep exactly, going, right? Like,
1: exactly. And the thing about long Nebuchad- way. exactly the thing about Nebuchadnezzar is that God keeps giving him chances, and we see that. And that sometimes it takes multiple times to see God. And I think that that's something a blessing, like just what you were saying for us. There's this phrase I can't remember who wrote it, but it says like, "Praise God that I'm." I Look, I'm not where I want to be yet, but you turn back and you say, but I'm not where I used to be. That's right. And so it's like, we're all on this journey. We're in different parts, but we have different opportunities to share God. And I want to encourage people. If there's people in your life who you know need God, keep sharing because God's still trying to reach them.
0: Totally. Oh, so good. And by the way, shameless plug. If you are being blessed by any of the things that are going on here and you want to make a decision to say, hey, I'd like to be plugged into a church, I don't have that, or I'd like to be doing Bible studies, please contact us through the Facebook page and we'd love to put you in touch. In fact, if you're living in the Lake Macquarie area, my local church is going back this Saturday at 1030 at the Swansea Library Coast Life Adventist Church is back in business. We we were in business before, like like we were still (laughs) doing stuff, but we're back in the public space. So hit us up on our Facebook page, which is... Coastlife Adventist Church NSW, Facebook.com slash that. Um, you can come hit us up as well. But respond, man. God is in the business of saving even his enemies. He's taking Nebuchadnezzar himself on a journey here. And it's not complete yet, but God is actually going to continue that journey. And we'll we'll learn more about that next week. What's going to happen with Nebuchadnezzar? May you be blessed. And remember that real faith is it's lived, lived faith. faith.
6: I send you to friends Won't you Drop in an ocean, I can't get much done. I begged you to leave, but you did not believe in the work that you could do with me. I want you to know that you're ready to go. I set you apart right from the start. I need you to see that your strength comes from me. I have given you all that you need. you go, go where I send, I send you to strangers, I send you to friends, won't you go, go to the To those who don't know what their are worth, hear my commission. I choose to send you. If you are willing, I am calling you to go to all nations to tell them of me, to rescue the helpless and set captives free, to carry the broken and bandage their wounds, to tell all my children that I. you call
9: express the wonder of your love for me Deeds can never repay the debt that I owe eternally But I'll bring you the praise of a grateful heart Sing of your glory and majesty Lift up my voice on the spirit's wings You're alive You're alive Stand the mystery of grace, rich and free I could never explain the mercy that reached out to me But I'll bring you the praise of a grateful heart Sing of your glory and majesty Lift up my voice on the Spirit's wings You're alive, you're alive Yes, I'll bring you the praise of a grateful heart, sing of your glory and majesty, lift up my voice on the Spirit's wings, you're alive, you're alive.
3: He created you and me. He came into this world to die so you could be set free. He will give you peace and joy, happiness and love, and the promise of eternity in heaven above. Live for Jesus in this world of strife. Live. Live for Jesus, He will change your life, Live for Jesus, He will see you through, Live for Jesus, He gave His life for you. Give your heart to Jesus and follow Him today, The world will always fail you, But He will guide your way. He loves you so much more than you'll ever understand and he will lead you gently by his mighty hand Live for Jesus in this world of strife Live for Jesus he will change your life Live for Jesus he will see you through, live Jesus, he gave his life for you. In whatever you may do Be a witness and show others That Jesus loves them too Pray and worship, read your Bible And listen for his call And he will always help you If you sleep and fall Live for Jesus in this world of strife Live for Jesus, he will Change your life Live for Jesus He will see you through Live for Jesus
10: they say i know that if i do i'll be following something i can't know deceitful and untrue i couldn't love you if i tried i couldn't find a way unless my heart is led by god i'll only go